Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Up in the attic, Will Bond, let us circle back to yesterday's bombshell story when Gronkowski maneuvered to go play with Brady in Tampa Bay. With a full day to think about all the ramifications, do you think this was more about Rob Gronkowski wanting to play with Tom Brady, or was it as much or maybe even more about wanting to get away from Bill Belichick? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's both, Tony. I, don't, I can't imagine a scenario. Um, you and I have had opportunities in our lives to go and do something else, and there's no one factor. There's no one thing. One thing may push you over the top, but you're not just thinking along one storyline. And so I'm sure that once Brady lands, you think, ooh, 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 I can go play for Brady. And if you're Gronk, you say, you know what? I mean, I gave this guy everything. I could try something different that feels different, that has a different tone. And so I'm sure that all yeah. those things factored in. And until we hear from Gronk personally, we're not going to know which was the more dominant theme in his decision making. So these two guys, that's a Hall of Fame combination, Brady and Gronkowski. Brady, it seemed from the start, all the reports were, he's going to go somewhere. He ends up in Tampa Bay. I think maybe he did want to get away from Bill Belichick. In Gronkowski's case, Gronkowski quit. He walked out completely on football. And with the opportunity to come back, didn't say, I want to play for New England at all, immediately goes to Tom Brady. So I think in that case, it might be that both of these guys were sick of the Patriot way. I don't want to slam uh, Belichick at all. He's a great, he's the best. He's absolutely the best. But I did get the sense, the way this happened with the rapidity, that maybe both of them were saying, you know what, let's try something new. Let's get away from all of that kind of discipline. Yeah, Tony, maybe. I I think if I had to bet, and again, we don't know until we hear from Gronk, I just think wherever Brady landed, it was going to be fine if he went there, right? If you're Gronk. I mean, who have you known other than Brady? I mean, who's who, who's been there? Who's put his arm around you? Who's had to coach you up, sometimes jump all over you, pat you on the back? It's been Tom Brady. So wherever Brady, Brady went to the moon. You know, then Gronk could say, you know, bang, zoom, Alice, I'm coming to the moon. That That's okay. that's where all he right. would go, right? I mean, <laughs> it makes sense to me no, that no, that would be I, the I, case. I, I agree with that, but I will say this. The proof of this is going to be down the road. How... Well, will Brady and Gronkowski play without Belichick? Will they get to yeah. the Super Bowl? I actually think that's the bar. I think that's the bar. And, and I will tell you something else. I'm excited to watch them play. I hope they're on prime time 18 weeks, 22 <laughs> weeks. And I really want to see them play New Orleans. I, I think those those two games with New Orleans are going to be real good. So, You know what, Tony? I, I, I'm not that narrowly focused on this. I, would, I, I hope to see football. I hope to see football this fall. With people in the stands. I do. I hope to see that. Whether it's Brady or whether it can be John Unitas. I I, I don't, I just, you know, I'd like to see some sports and I'd like to see some football. Whether it's Brady and Gronk. If it's Brady and Gronk, I'll say God bless. But at this point, I can't focus in on those guys. But we're going to stay on the topic of football, of course. 49ers GM, John Lynch, tells Rich Eisen that the 49ers management team discussed the idea of signing Mr. Brady. Are you surprised they're admitting this publicly? And if you are Jimmy G-Tone, how do you feel about it? 
I am surprised that John Lynch would admit this. I don't see what there is to gain by talking about this. But my second answer may surprise you. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I am thrilled because these two guys, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, picked me over Tom Brady. Bill Belichick didn't do that, but the 49ers people did that. And not only that, but they kept me in the loop. They didn't blindside me. So if I'm Garoppolo, I feel better about myself now, maybe than I ever have in San Francisco. Well, Tony, keeping me in the loop would be very important because you don't feel like you were stabbed in the back. In terms of admitting it, why not? Everybody knew anyway. Everybody knew anyway. Everybody who covers football for this network, for NFL Network, for whomever, they all knew it was being discussed every day, all day, that the 49ers are thinking about Tom Brady, who might want to come back home, blah, blah, blah. We reacted to their reporting every day. So Jimmy G's no fool, and neither are the people who are listening to this, this information primarily in Northern California. They know the deal. So I think it's cool that Lynch, everybody was just sort of above board, or at least appears that way. And I'm with you. If Jimmy G can say, you know what? These guys didn't stab me in the back. They didn't go behind me like weasels, and I'm okay. Right. I mean, you have to consider Brady. Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. (laughs) You have to consider him in San Francisco because he grew up there, and you have to consider what that would mean for the fans. But here's what I wonder about. I wonder if they watched a lot of tape on Tom Brady and concluded, you know, he's not the Tom Brady that he used to be. He's not better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I also wonder, Mike, if there were other teams that felt the same way, they considered him and they passed. Because to me, Tampa Bay is not the most reasonable fit. Let's uh, we'll tell let you me know move what? on. People won't be on. making that admission. They won't be telling us that publicly, will they? That no. they watched the no, film and, and, said this and said thumbs down on Brady. They ain't telling us that publicly. Nobody's going to say that. We'll move to golf no. now. Rory McIlroy, who is becoming, I think, the conscience of golf, He says that if there are no fans at the Ryder Cup, which is set up at Whistling Straits in the fall, I believe, if there are no fans, the Ryder Cup should be postponed. Here's a direct quote. Having a Ryder Cup without fans is not a Ryder Cup. I'd say just delay it a year, McElroy said. Wilbon, you with McElroy on this one? Of course, this is not even difficult. Delay it a year. Just push it. We've seen this, Tony. We we, we saw this at the beginning of the century with 9-11 and the Ryder Cup getting pushed and therefore the President's Cup being pushed. And yeah, look, if you're not going to have any fans, the Ryder Cup, this is not like a regular golf event where fans are just sort of incidental. I mean, it's great they're they're there, but they're incidental. The Ryder Cup, they're like half the show, at least half, maybe more, maybe 60% of it. And if you're not going to have people with painted faces and singing and chanting and doing all the things that make the Ryder Cup the event that it is, don't have it. Push it. It's not the end of the world. It'd be fine next year. Give now that it gives the President's Cup site and event planning extra time to do what they need to do on the other end. So, no, Tony, you don't need to have the Ryder Cup without fans. So if I wasn't paid by the word, I would shut up and agree with everything that you said, but I'm also paid by the word. If you ask me about the Ryder Cup, the first words that come to my head are war by the shore, the one at Kiowa. Yeah. This is an exhibition. This is unlike any golf tournament. This is a partisan thing. That golf is not partisan. Golf is not about war, but the Ryder Cup, and to a lesser degree, the President's Cup, they are about that. It matters if you have home field. There's no home field in golf. 
This is something where the fans are uniquely and innately involved in it. Rory McIlroy could not be more right. I mean, there's no reason to have this without fans because fans, None. I believe, make this event. If you want to have it in Whistling Straits, push it a year. You know, the next one was scheduled for Italy, which has been hit so hard by the coronavirus. Have it in Italy the next time around. Push everything a little bit. I'm not saying this about majors, Mike. I would play majors without fans because they're majors. But I would not play this one. I wouldn't. No. Ryder Cup, President's Cup. No, no, don't do it. Tony, we agree on that. I don't know if we're going to agree on this. Steve Kerr told Rachel Nichols on the jump yesterday that fellow Bulls, the Bulls players, had no resentment towards Scottie Pippen for delaying that surgery on his foot in 1997 until just before the season started. During the last dance, we heard Michael Jordan say, quote, Scotty was wrong in that scenario, close quote. Tone, you with Steve Kerr or you with Michael Jeffrey Jordan on this particular issue? Yeah, I saw Steve Kerr. I was a little bit surprised by what he said. I am completely in the camp with Michael Jordan, who said it was a selfish act. I think it was selfish of Pippen, and it was selfish of Pippen when uh, Phil Jackson called a play for Tony Kukoc at the end of the game and just sat on the bench because it wasn't for him. I thought about why Steve Kerr would say that. Steve Kerr was a player then. Players line up with players against management. Steve Kerr said that he believed that Scottie Pippen at that time should have been paid the second most money in all of basketball. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, but players players look at money because they say if he makes more money, then I make more money. So uh, in Kerr's position right then, saying that everybody on the team other than Michael felt this way, I understood it because, to me, that's how players line up. Yeah, Tony, I think, I think we agree there, too. And particularly, Tony, by then, Scottie Pippen had helped win five championships. We're not talking about, you know, on the way, on the run-up to the first one over the Lakers. That, that, that group was as settled. And, you know, Tony, you can, we, can, we can look at part of the, the, the big attraction of the last dance is the conflict, right? But it's, it, it's that real conflict between players. I mean, there are great stories involving all the players. Wait till we get to the Dennis Rodman stuff coming up. But the conflict was really between Jerry Krause, the general manager, and Scotty, or Jerry and and Michael, or Jerry and whatever player he didn't want to have at a given time. But Tony, look, I, I was not around that team every day, but I was around him enough. You didn't feel any great resentment directed at anybody. And I understand what Michael was saying, which was, hey, You'd like to see anybody having surgery have it early on so this doesn't drag out. Scotty's beef wasn't with Michael or Steve or any of the players that any of us know of. It was with Jerry Krause. And so, to a lesser extent, Jerry Reinsdorf. So, so, so I get that. But my position, which you've known for a long period of time, I felt this way with Shaquille O'Neal when he delayed operations. Yes. And he said, I, yes. I don't want to do it on my time. I want to do it on there. So I'm consistent in that. And and I would be the same way with Michael with Michael Jordan feeling that way. Here's what I wonder about with Steve Kerr, who's an incredibly successful coach now. If that happened on his team as a coach, would he be as benevolent to the player as he was when he was a player with Scottie Pippen? I just wonder about that. That's a good question. We'll have to ask Steve at that that question at some point, Tony. 
Geico has the insurance industry leading app that lets you manage your policy anytime, anywhere, which means that Geico is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you, like animal control, when you're cornered in your garage by an angry possum. Hi, me again. Uh, you guys said you would be here about an hour ago, and um, I think the possum is starting to get angry. I, uh, listen, I thought if I fed it, it would go away, but now it is ripping holes in the drywall and making some sort of nest. Just call me back. <laughs> Geico, always there for you with savings and the industry-leading mobile app. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Okay, the glass has come up. You know what that means. Time for the happies. Happy 71st birthday, Spencer Haywood. History lesson, kids. Spencer Haywood averaged 28 points and 22 rebounds a game for Trinidad Junior College in Colorado in 1967 and 68. As a result, Haywood made our Olympic squad in 1968, where he was the leading scorer on a gold medal team. He then transferred to the University of Detroit, where he led the NCAA with 21 and a half rebounds a game and scored 32 points a game. Haywood then decided to turn pro, but the NBA was prohibiting players from joining that league until their college class graduated. So Haywood signed with the Denver Rockets of the rival American Basketball Association, paving the way for high school kids and college freshmen and anybody who wanted to leave early for the pros. In his rookie year with Denver, Haywood averaged 30 points and 19 and a half rebounds, and he was named both the Rookie of the Year and the MVP. In 1970, he signed with the Seattle Supersonics of the NBA, and rather than fight the case in the United States Supreme Court, the NBA settled. Spencer Haywood was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2015. Spencer Haywood, one of my all-time favorites, Tony. Great player, great story. Great guy to hang around, great storyteller. And you know what? I, I I don't know if he's here permanently, but he's out here in the desert. He's in Arizona at least part of the year, and it's fun to run into him and just talk about anything. I love Spencer Hale. Great player. Great. Happy anniversary, Jeff George. On this day 30 years ago, the Indianapolis Colts drafted their hometown hero with the number one overall pick and later gave George the richest rookie contract in NFL. NFL history to that time, worth a total of $15 million. George played four seasons with the Colts, and the numbers were not good. He was 14-35 and 35 as a starter. He threw more interceptions, 46, than he did touchdowns, 41. And he refused to report to training camp in 1993, yielding only when the owner threatened him with a huge fee for breach of contract. George wandered around the league, ending up with the Redskins in 2000 and 2001, where he was 1-6 as a starter. But before games, when George warmed up, he threw the most beautiful deep spirals I have ever seen. Jeff George had an arm that quarterbacks would die for. But except for a brief flash here and there, he was a riddle wrapped in an enigma. Yeah, Tony, I remember early on, I, I, I didn't know Jeff George at all, and I was one of those people who would throw darts. And then I did get to know him, and part of that time in Washington, and part in, in, in part other places, He's a fascinating guy, and I found myself wishing that he had been in more stable situations 
where somebody could have really gotten a hold of him early in a situation with great teammates and great leadership, maybe another veteran player that tutored him. And he, he might have been one of the all-time greats because he had the talent. But he's just a, he's a fascinating person, and I know you feel that way because you got to know him too. Well, I mean, I was writing columns for the Washington Post at that point, and I would go to these games, and I've never seen anybody throw like that. It did not translate into the game, but I've no, never often. seen an arm like that. All the great arms I'd ever seen, not like that. Happy trails to retirement for Percy Harvin, the wide receiver who last played in the NFL in 2016 for the Buffalo Bills, told Josina Anderson of ESPN that he's itching to come back. He says he's been working out with an unnamed Olympian. His body feels good and the timing is right. Harvin said a while back he had a dream to play with Tom Brady in New England, but now he says he's ready for any offense that will let him go. Harvin will be 32 next month, and he faces some real competition for a job. Not only is this reportedly a very deep draft class for wide receivers, but a bunch of former Pro Bowl receivers are out there looking for a way back in, including Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and Des Bryant. Percy Harvin hasn't played more than nine games in any one season since 2011. So good luck. Yeah, Tony. I mean, Percy Harvin is one of those guys you never really thought maxed out, so maybe he'll get the chance to max out now. You know who maxed out? Muffin McGraw at Notre Dame in 33 seasons announcing retirement. 33 seasons, Tony, and very successful ones. Two national championships, 2001 and 2018. I mean, fought all the time and sometimes successfully against Gino Oriema and those great UConn teams, sometimes with Skylar Diggins on a couple of those great teams. So congratulations on a long storied career for Muffin McGraw, already in the Hall of Fame.